Hello, everyone. And after a month, it is the Dude Who Like Movies again. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Alec. What's going on? And then we have another special guest today. We got we had him back in February for our Jackass talk, and now it's my brother, Chris. And we're here to talk about not necessarily a movie. Actually, Chris, go ahead and introduce yourself. Sorry. Hello, hello. Uh, we're not here to talk about a movie today, but we're talking about something that's related to the movies. We, we just... Well, Chris and I just watched the new Obi-Wan series and I showed Alec a couple clips. So he has a bit of a frame of reference. I kind of gave him a TLDR on that. So we wanted to talk about it because obviously we all love Star Wars. And the thing about me is I'm an Obi-Wan simp. I love Ian McGregor as Obi-Wan. So this, this to me, I was super excited for this. And with that being said, so the whole show is set 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan is a hermit living on Tatooine and he's watching over Luke from a distance. And so within the first, so in the first episode, they show little Princess Leia living on Alderaan. She's 10 years old at this point. And they brought back, remember, uh, Chris, I know you were happy to see him. Oh, yeah. Uh, the dude who played Bail Organa. Jimmy Smiths. Yep. I was glad we got to see Alderaan. So the first episode is basically just setting everything up where Leia is, is living on Alderaan with, uh, not Baru and Lars, it's, you just said his name and I completely blanked. Owen. Bail Organa, thank you. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah Bail Organa and his wife. And she knows she's adopted, so there's that. But she's still, I love the, the actress who plays her because she's very sassy and just everything you would, like she's perfect as a little Leia. I love it. Anyway, so yeah, in the episode, Leia is kidnapped by a bunch of Inquisitors, and so the Inquisitors, Chris, you know more about the Inquisitors because you watched the Clone Wars and whatnot. So do you want to or Rebels? Do you want to give us a little backstory? So just just to correct you on that, in the beginning of the episode, um, it shows Kenobi on Tatooine, and he is in fact a hermit. He's working overall. His main goal is to protect Luke. Throughout the entire episode, we do, in fact, see the Inquisitors come in. We see Reva Savender, we see the Grand Inquisitor, we see the Fifth Brother, and then, uh, I believe, who is the other the one? three main ones. The Fourth Sister, the Fourth Sister. So, overall, the Inquisitor's grand, grand goal is to hunt down Jedi, and their master is, in fact, Darth Vader. So and as they're on Tatooine, they uh, they get information that there is a sense force person on there. And keep in mind, they do not know that this is Obi-Wan. Uh, so they go out to a little um, diner, if you want to call it that. And they, you know, they threaten the shopkeeper. And then eventually the Jedi reveals himself. He runs away. So on and so forth. And the Inquisitors, their former... So they were... They're force sensitive and they were children around the time of Order 66, I think, right? And so, but they turned to the dark side. So all of the Inquisitors were in fact Jedi at once, but uh, they were turned to the dark side. Only a few were confirmed younglings when Order 66 happened and confirmed to turn into Inquisitors from that basis. And don't but spoil yes. the big thing, but yes. So, okay. So yeah. And then what happens is Leia on Alderaan is kidnapped by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't remember what his name was, but she's kidnapped by Flea. And so Jimmy Smith's Bail Organa messages Obi-Wan. 
and he's like, hey, I only trust you. You need to go save Leia. And Obi-Wan at first is like, no, I'm not going to do it. And eventually, Bail Organa just comes straight up there and he's like, I need you to do this. So he finally talks him into it. And we see a scene where Obi-Wan just goes back to a random spot in the desert that he knows that he dropped his lightsaber in. And Obi-Wan in the show, he's very disheartened. He's, how do I say this? Broken. He's very out of touch with the force. Yes, lost. He hasn't used the force presumably really much since Revenge of the Sith. He's kind of given up on the Jedi. Because, yeah, they're getting hunted. So he's trying to just be a normal person and kind of just live in the shadows. It's more so also if he uses the Force, especially on Tatooine, Vader and any other Inquisitor will find out that he's there. Exactly. So he knows about the Inquisitors. And there is actually a pretty tense scene where Reva is, I guess, accosting or whatever, Lars. Mm. And she's like, do you have a family? And what if a Jedi did this? And she, so Reva is one of the Inquisitors. And in the first couple episodes, she's, she comes off as very one-dimensional because she just comes off as like, hardcore i just want to find obi-wan and you don't understand why and eventually i think in what the second episode or third episode they say oh she just wants to get in good favor with vader and you don't find out why until later but we'll get into that a little bit so i know a lot of people at the beginning were complaining about her as a character written and again this comes back to the whole people love to just hate on star wars actors for doing a job it's like leave the actress alone she did what they told her to do but i can understand yeah it's the writing it's been bad for a very long time and especially in the movies it's been showing like lack of quality like i feel ever since um god uh i'd have to say i want to say the last no no last jedi wasn't terrible uh i don't even know when the, the when it first started but you can tell i you know i'll say han solo that's kind of where it, you could tell the quality of writing went downhill you know what I mean? Well, I think that... it's, it's just, it's not, it's Star Wars. Like, that's the thing. There's, there's no, like, mystery. There's no, like, you know, wonder to it no more. Well, and if you think it, about it, too, like I said, know you're going to pay for Star Wars. People were hating on the prequels when they came out. And, you know, they hated, they bullied Jake Lloyd and they bullied the guy who played Jar Jar. So. And that, that Hayden Christensen. Oh yeah, and Hayden Christensen. But like, people came to appreciate them. But like, how many people? But, but there's also a ton of problems outside looking in onto these uh, these new movies. Well, I mean, like, 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 like the whole thing that we bring up every single time that we talk about it, and that was the stupid love arc, which for some reason happened between Finn and um and um Rose Rose Rose. Yeah, like that did not have to happen, but it, they See, just shut it in there. That brings up a bigger problem with Star Wars is that people have deified it so that it has to be exactly what they want. Otherwise, it's not great. And I just don't like that. But we're talking about Obi-Wan here. But I appreciate you bringing up that point, Alec. It's just, yeah, Star Wars has it, never it, been it, perfect. It's not been perfect. It's just the writing is just, the, they just don't, I just don't feel like there's inspiration there. So and it's kind of leaking into shows, which I've heard really good things from you guys and then my, and then my brother, who's also started watching on disney plus i've heard good things it's just like there's some bits and like pieces that are left over that are you know not as of high quality well we'll nitpick about that later but anyway so leia is kidnapped and obi-wan goes to save her and so that's episode one episode two so right off the bat 
Chris, what, would you agree with me? Ian McGregor is just always, like I say, he's perfect as Obi-Wan and uh, the casting is really the strong suits of this series. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, Ian McGregor does a banging job playing Obi-Wan in this whole thing. You know, you always feel like when you see him in other movies, like, oh, that's fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sorry. But <laughs> you, you no see more. him and you're like, yeah, that's, that's Ian McGregor. That's Obi-Wan. And it's very refreshing and reassuring that you know we see these beloved actors going back to the roles that we saw we fell in love with you know growing up yeah i think disney i'm sorry i thought you were finished sorry but to see them it's just very rewarding for people who grew up with that stuff exactly because i mean you know people waited 30 years to see han solo harrison ford again and that made people happy and i was just about to say that disney learned the lesson with solo don't recast because if you do you're gonna really make a lot of fans mad so but anyway, so yeah, they brought back Ian McGregor and he has been talking for years. He'd be, he would love to do this. And I guess he lied about it for a while. But anyway, so then really, like I said, the really only dislikes I have about the first episode is that Reva comes off as a one-dimensional character. But again, that's only the first episode. Episode two, so Obi-Wan goes to this place. I think it's called Dayo to go get Leia because that's where she's being held. And he, yeah, they try to escape. So, and at the end of the episode, Reva tracks him down and she lets it slip to him that Anakin Skywalker is alive because she knows who Anakin and Darth Vader are. They are one of the same. We'll get into that later, but she knows who they are. And she was the mastermind behind Leia's kidnapping because she looked back in the archives and found that Bail Organa, a senator who was her adoptive dad, that's not a, you know, that's not a big secret that she's, you know, his daughter, that they had a connection with Obi-Wan. And so she's like, oh, if I kidnapped Leia, he's probably going to ask Obi-Wan for help. And lo and behold, it does. So she tracks him down. And then at the end, she lets it slip to him that Anakin Skywalker is alive. And so, and I just want to say this because I loved it so much. The very last shot of that episode is Obi-Wan just stand, or it's not the last shot, but he like, is just, you see the emotion on Amy McGregor's face. He's like shocked because he thought Anakin was dead after he left him for dead, for dead on dead on Mustafar. You see the look of shock in his face when he just says Anakin, and then it cuts to Anakin all burnt in a Bacta tank, and he, he just opens his eyes, and they're all yellow, and you just, oh, it's really scary and freaky, but you, like, you see Darth Vader without his mask on, and it's actually and, Hayden Christensen, too. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I love about it, is that you can tell like that's Hayden Christensen. Like all, Most of the Darth Vader scenes and whatnot is confirmed Hayden Christensen. Yeah, they have like some stunt doubles, I'm sure, but I know if, like for the last duel with him and obi-wan i believe that was that was hayden christensen for the whole yes. thing because i know he was the one in the suit in the episode three because he asked george lucas if he could do it and he said yes yeah. oh and yeah we'll get into this in the next episode but yeah so people don't like the chase scene with leia i get it but where Leia's like wait who are you i don't trust you and then everyone's looking for him on the thing because reva sends out a message and i don't know what you feel about that chris i uh I thought the second episode, you know, it could have been written better for sure. I know Alec was talking about certain Star Wars aspects and things and one of that need to be written better. But with the I whole chasing, I don't think it's, it was too drawn out. And, you know, uh, it's, it could have been better. That's all I'm going to say, really. I will agree with you. This film kind of felt, or excuse me, this, this series at points, I kind of felt to myself, this feels a lot like filler and they, it would have been cool if they would have just made this into a one really good movie, but I digress anyway. 
Sorry, were you trying to say something, Alec? I was going to say, I just feel like the writers have just said, given up and said, you know what? It's Star Wars. Like, fans will pay for it no matter what we put onto it. And that's becoming a problem, not just in Star Wars and a lot of series, but in Star Wars very particularly because it's very well-beloved. Well, they, you know, it should be George Lucas doing everything, but he's said that he doesn't want to anyway. So then episode three, Obi-Wan and Leia. So they basically get off of Dio and they escape Reva in the last episode. And so he's trying to get them passage to Alderaan. In the previous episode, they come off a guy named, what was his name? Haja? Haja. I forgot to mention him. He's like a, like a trickster who pretends to be a Jedi and gets people off planet through the, was, was he helping people through the path or whatever? He wanted money and he would help out the Jedi. However, his he just he, he needed the money. You know, he would always tell people who were afraid of the Empire or just Jedi in general, this is where you need to go, pay me money, blah, 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 blah. And then he himself was not, in fact, the Jedi, but he ultimately, you know, towards the end meant well. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I had mixed reactions to him, but. So he tells Obi-Wan to go to this one planet and meet his contact there. And so Obi-Wan and Leia are there for like five minutes. And he's like, he's, his friend isn't coming. So they leave. Then they come up and they're found by this pig-headed guy who I swear to God was Seth Rogen. But I looked it up. It was actually Zach Braff who did the voice from Scrubs. and But he sounds just like Seth Rogen. Anyway, so they get picked up in his truck which has the empire seal on it and it reminded me very much it kind of definitely the illusion george lucas had with the empire was it was very much like nazi germany and the stormtroopers obviously were like the ss and so this guy having the empire flag would basically be the equivalent of us having like the swastika on his truck or something you know what i mean one big thing you forgot to mention is uh during this episode obi-wan this is episode Four or three? Oh, this, we're on three, three, but if I I think you know what you're talking about, but this, we're going to save that for the end. This this whole episode, Obi Wan is just in awe and like disbelief, kind of coming to the like realizing that you know Anakin's alive. Like he's okay, he has yeah. so much flashbacks and PTSD, all that kind of shit. And then before he well, and Leia, and him and Leia before they get onto the truck, he sees and imagines. Oh uh, yeah, Anakin Skywalker. There, I about that's that, the yeah. first time we saw Anakin Skywalker in 17 years, and I thought that was fantastic. I completely forgot about that. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, but yeah. So, long story short, with the guy with the truck, he brings him to an Imperial checkpoint, and they basically find them out. And there is a couple nods during that truck, like Leia's talking to Obi Wan, like, "Did you know my real mom?" Because she knows she's adopted. He's talking about Padme and he can't actually say Padme, but you know, he's talking about her and it just brings back stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. Just the little character moments like that. And then, yeah, so they get caught by the stormtroopers at this one checkpoint and they're saved by an undercover Empire, whatever officer. She was an Imperial officer impersonator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, her name's Tala and she was impersonating an officer. And so she takes him back to this little town and is trying to get them through what's called the path so they can get taken to i guess alderaan or some other place and then as they're sitting there waiting for the transport darth vader shows up because reva's been tracking them and also they had there was a there was one of those scouting droids whatever it was called i can't think what they're called 
scouters. You can call them scouters. Yeah, the little, the little black droids with the cameras on them. Yeah, so Vader shows up and Obi-Wan's just kind of looking out the window like, oh gosh, I, I, I kind of need to see this. Darth, so yeah, he shows up. Go ahead, Chris. I mean, this is Obi-Wan's first time seeing Vader or Anakin. He has no idea what he looks like and so he's just Wait a trying... minute, didn't I cut your arm off? Basically, no. He's just trying to like figure out what's going on, what his goals and motives are. And obviously his goal and motive is to find Kenobi. But Kenobi keeps a good eye on what's happening. And you just see Vader going to full rampage to an extent. You know, he he straight up murdered a kid who wanted to just check on his dad who was being forced choked. Like he stabbed his neck. And I thought that was very powerful portrayal or a very powerful yeah portrayal of how Vader is supposed to be in uh, any of the series or Star Wars franchise, you know. He One, is this sorry, he's this monster who has no sort of like mercy or anything like that for people that just for no anyone problems. in general. He he definitely just his main goal for this entire series is to find Kenobi. But overall, Kenobi is not Kenobi. Uh, Vader is just a complete savage, and he's supposed to show like the true meaning of the dark side and how evil and corrupt he's been since he uh, quote unquote killed Anakin Skywalker. I thought well, that was great. They did a great portrayal of that. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is that like no matter how you put it, Disney have done a great job in the portrayal of Vader because obviously the, the hallway scene in Rogue One, but in this they show him as brutal and like. He just goes through their town, picks up people and force chokes them, like like you said, and just snaps their neck. And yeah, he's he's pretty brutal in this episode. And then, so he eventually finds Obi-Wan and confronts him. And it's in like a little mining town or whatever. So they're like in the middle of like a like a like a like a rock quarry or something like that. And so they at first he brings out his lightsaber, expecting Obi-Wan to straight up fight him. But Obi-Wan just kind of runs away because, again, he's not very strong with the Force anymore. And so, but eventually he does get them to tap in lightsabers a little bit. And eventually, well, actually, I really, I did like the scene where Obi-Wan does get a good look at him and he, he just sees the, you know, the, Vader ma- the Vader mask and he says, you know, what have you become? And he just says, I am what you made me. And so then, like five minutes later, vader who is very strong with the force like i said with the dark side at this point like chris said earlier he straight up picks obi-wan up in the air lights this uh whatever fluid on fire on the ground just throws obi-wan into the fire and yeah just basically makes him suffer and eventually puts the fire out i don't know why and then so chris do you want to explain kind of what happens there because like tala goes and finds him and then yeah so as Obi-Wan and Anakin or Vader have their little duel, um, Vader, this is his first time seeing Kenobi, so all he feels and sees is complete rage when he sees him. You know, he's like, I finally found Kenobi, and then I'm going to do everything I can to make sure he suffers for what he did to me. So, as you said, you see, they have the little duel, and it's, it's kind of cool, you know, it's the first duel since episode three, and Obi-Wan is definitely a little rusty. But Vader completely overpowers him. And, uh, you know, he lifted him in the air and he knocks over these minerals, which are very flammable, and that's what causes the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Kenobi just, he doesn't know what to do. He's literally not that powerful with the force. He can't get out. 
So Vader sets the minerals on fire and then he says, this is now your suffering has just begun. And he drags him through the fire, makes him burn and everything. And it's a completely powerful scene too. But, you know, there were a couple of things that irked me and I know it irked a lot of people, but um, towards the end, um, the flame gets put out and Tala or Tala, Tara, Tala, what's Tala, her name again? T-A-L-A. Tala uh, goes and shoots a bunch of stormtroopers that are surrounding Kenobi and Vader and she shoots the fire again and it's she goes and rescues Kenobi but it's like what why didn't Vader put out the fire again like why didn't he force grab Kenobi and like have the stormtroopers kill everyone else like he could have easily put out that fire again just to grab Kenobi I, I mean yeah it it kind of leaves it on a bit of a cliffhanger or like shows like this is what we need to do so that can to make this story continue at least decently but a lot of people were very upset with how that battle quote-unquote ending yeah i mean i get it i guess vader just wanted to make him suffer so i guess i don't know maybe part of the fun for vader was the chase but also there's a theory that vader is afraid of fire that he can't control and so that fire was uncontrollable and he just kind of gave up he lives in on Mustafar, his castle is on Mustafar. Yeah, but that's more of a, a reminder of the failure of his failure to kill Obi Wan. But I don't know. Anyway, I will say so they brought back James Earl Jones to do the voice of Vader in this thing. And the guy, I mean, obviously he is 90 something now, but he still does a great job. Is he actually 90? He's like 91 now, something like that. Oh my god, he looked good for 90. Yeah, he has played Darth Vader ever since the beginning, so like 45 years now or whatever it's been. And yeah, no, he he does a great job and his emotion is just very intense. So I mean they keep yeah, paying him. Huh? He's 91. I never would have guessed 90. Yeah, I guess he's just like, you keep paying me, I'll do it. Good on him. Yeah. So anyway. Tala rescues Obi-Wan, but Reva gets Leia because she wants the information about the path, I guess it's called, which, you know, the little underground archive of, I guess, people helping the Jedi escape, whatever. So, and Chris, didn't you say there was like a reference to like one of the games or something at one point in this episode? Uh, not in this episode, but uh, a lot of people who watch Clone Wars the show and um they, they know they reference quinlan voss because it shows that he's been helping all the jedi get out of there so quinlan voss is in theory still alive because kenobi knows about him um and so they i was hoping they would go in the direction of like quinlan voss coming in because we haven't seen a live action version of him in a while but i thought it was pretty cool that they referenced him That's fair. Yeah, I mean, you, you've you seen the Clone Wars and, and Rebels, and I have not. I've seen, like, the first episode of Clone Wars. I want to watch more of it, but I do know. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we get to the next episode. Leia's in custody with Reva, and Obi-Wan is in a back-to-tank healing, and so him and Tala, the fourth episode is basically just him and Tala going to save Leia on I guess, what is it? Is that like the Inquisitor's 
it's uh, it's on a planet that's next to Mustafar. Um, yeah, but is they, it like their headquarters? Show, it's kind of their headquarters, yeah. And they show, um, they do reference in this episode the Jedi in the Fallen Order, or Jedi Fallen Order, uh, where it has Karen Monogamy or whatever his name is, the dude who played the main character, uh, Ian in Shameless. Uh, he. <laughs> Oh wow! Main, yeah, dude, he's the main character, and um, they reference a certain scene in in this episode from Fallen Order where I don't know if anyone's played it, but um, in Fallen Order, uh, it's the same kind of idea or like the same area because um, I don't want to get too much into it because of the game for anyone that hasn't played it. But basically, I mean, I've played the first couple levels. I haven't finished it. Vader in the game holds back water from like collapsing and obi-wan kind of does the same thing to like save time so it's just the similarities and the references is cool yeah there's a hallway scene where obi-wan has leia and tala and they're trying to escape and then what happens is the stormtroopers are coming and there's a crack in the wall due to a blaster so he's using the force to hold it back and then yeah, I mean, it's, it's another hallway scene, but I mean, it's not as good as Luke's or Vader's, but you know, it's still good. But thank you for bringing that up because I forgot about mentioning that. Wait, There's what a couple. Scene, what did you talk about specifically? The hallway scene. Uh, with the water? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, the, uh, I thought you were about to bring up the, uh, the other one. Because that too is a game reference as well. Oh, where no. he goes and gets Leia. Oh, yeah, no. But what was I going to say to the oh we forgot to put we forgot to mention in episode three you see Anakin being taken out of his tank and put together and that was a pretty creepy scene uh, I thought it was fantastic but we haven't seen that ever yeah not like that in that way yeah so and anyway I wanted to mention that I was looking at my notes here but yeah, episode four I like the hallway scene oh yeah and there's also a scene and again we've gotten into spoilers at this point basically but there's a scene where Obi-Wan's going through like the basement of that facility and he sees a bunch of like preserved dead Jedi from Order 66, which is really creepy. But wait, preserved that they really? Yeah, they're like in, you know, like in Jurassic Park with like the fly that's preserved in whatever it is. In amber. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're preserved in amber. I I mean, I thought the whole point was to murder them. What would be the point of well, I guess semantics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyway. the Empire is nothing if not dramatic. And then, let's see here. There's also, I mean, Vader's one minute of screen time is still good because he is mad that Reva got, you know, let them go because the ending is kind of dumb. So, actually, hold on one sec here. I know, Chris, you had issues with the ending of this episode. Yes, very, very much so. They They almost get off comically because... Obi-Wan just basically wears a trench coat and he's the only one with a beard or long hair. And so, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's one of those things that I like brought up, like the poor writing, you know. I don't know who directed this episode in particular, but it's all directed only, by the same person. The only cool part of this whole episode, and the only cool one that I thought was decent was um when Luke, or not Luke, when Obi-Wan goes and quote-unquote rescues Leia, uh, he does a little scene that they did in Star Wars The Force Unleashed with Starkiller, where the lights are out, 
all you see is a blue lightsaber just go in hand killing stormtroopers and i thought that was the best scene so far and they referenced this uh the force unleashed a lot during this entire series but also when it comes to the poor writing with this episode you know once they protect leia um or they got leia uh right before that tala she just smacks a stormtrooper on the head with her hand and he just completely passed out like how does how does that work you know what i mean i don't get that they're thinking you're just gonna pay to watch star wars like they're like okay you recognize this is a jedi this is uh uh just a lightsaber and there's this the force so they're just gonna like hopefully hope that you just make some sort of weird conclusion just but based on the fact that this is Star Wars. They don't they don't realize that people like us who pay attention to close details and stuff like that, we get upset with that kind of stuff. So many people I, were I upset with the ending of this. And you know, like going back to that scene in particular where Obi-Wan um gets the stormtroopers, you see in the scene where he slices or he literally with his lightsaber, a lightsaber can cut through just about anything, right? So you know, we've seen throughout the years where lightsabers cut through stormtroopers like it's bread and butter. So when he tries to kill this stormtrooper, it bounces off of the stormtrooper and it like it just it it's so bad. I don't know why they think that this is how lightsabers work. You know what I mean? Um so on the list of many things that bother me, that was the biggest thing that bothered me, but also when they, when Tala, Kenobi, and Leia are trying to get on that ship, you just see Kenobi in a big trench coat and a hat, and you just see four feet and a big, like, little lump coming from his side. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that they, they could have done so much more with it. I, I very, very much did not like this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's, you could argue it's the worst one. I didn't hate it like everyone else did. I... You know, I don't like I said, I don't hate any of the, of the show, but anyway, episode five is definitely where it gets what's the word spicier, a little, a little so, wacky, not even spicier, but oh, yeah. And I want to say also, they establish a couple characters in the whatever you want to call it, the path, and one of them is a character named Wade. And then he, he and this other pilot go and save Obi Wan, Tala, and Leia, and Wade dies. And it's like, oh no, Wade. Wade, no, not my man Wade. Exactly. I was so invested in him. Exactly. But anyway, so in episode five, they're in the paths, I guess, headquarters, and Reva tracks them down. So they're trying to, like, one, protect themselves, but then they're also trying to escape. So that's the basic plot of that. And then, so we get a bit more of Reva's backstory in this in which that she was a youngling during order 66 hmm? and she saw Anakin kill her friends. And did she get stabbed by Anakin mm-hmm. back then? So what had happened, you know, Anakin killing younglings, nothing new, but the greatest thing is we got to see actual people in clone armor and we saw Anakin during Order 66 at the Jedi Temple massacring the Jedi. And I know with the whole Texas Texas thing that happened, and um, they even confirmed, like, hey, we're going to show, like, a little bit of, like, kids 
getting you know what i mean yeah yeah i didn't want to say that but it's very unfortunate about texas and everything but going back to the the story (laughs) we see anakin you know and i thought this was beautiful just anakin and his hood just order 66 a lot of people very much wanted to see like the jedi's demise and everything and so with the fact that we got several quote-unquote flashbacks showing this is fantastic so we see anakin go in and uh you know after he finds more younglings reva says you know we thought he was there to help us to protect us and one by one he just kills all the younglings and then she stares at anakin in the eye and he stares at her a little bit confused but he just stabs her right in the gut and miraculously she survives don't know how but she does and so that caused her to become a grand inquisitor well, she wanted to get close to him to basically kill him. So, and they explained that in this episode. So, they kind of did a Last Jedi kind of vibe type. It where made sense, though. It made sense, but with what they did, it, yeah, it made sense. But they basically got all the uh, the civilians and Kenobi and everyone and Leia and they're like trying to like round them up and just capture them when all in reality they just want Kenobi so Obi-Wan knows this and he goes and he tries to you know negotiate with her negotiate with Reva and um she explains her backstory because Obi-Wan knows like hey he's like you were there during Order 66 there's no way you could have known Anakin was Vader unless you were there blah 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 and she explains what I just said earlier like, yeah, no, he killed my friends, blah, 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 blah. And so, yes, yeah, she does want to get close to Vader and become the Grand Inquisitor so she can be on more dangerous missions with her. And um, she wants him, the opportunity she wants, to, to just She wants to find a chance to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. And there is one thing that, so there, speaking of flashbacks, we get to see Obi-Wan and Anakin do a duel. And this, because Anakin still has his human hand, he doesn't have he doesn't have the robot hand. It's before Episode Two, so they see him dueling, and Obi Wan is just kind of explaining to him, you know, why he gets beat because Anakin is too emotional and too like he's he doesn't uh, something with his anger. I remember, which obviously, and they supercut the flashbacks with basically kind of what's going on right now in that episode, which kind of just the fact that they opened they opened up with coruscant and kenobi and anakin fighting and training i thought that was beautiful oh yeah and i mean i guess there had to have been some cgi but i really did enjoy that flashback because you get to see them like you know learning and fighting with each other i mean not like fighting like fighting but you know training right well anyway and then another good so vader gets down there and as obi-wan and all them are trying to escape in a pod he pulls the pod down rips it in half or whatever he rips it out of the sky and then rips it in half and then they find out it's a decoy and the other one gets away but just the fact that vader again they show how powerful he is by doing that just hey he pulls down the whole ship as it's taking off and just rips it in half like it's nothing like like it's butter and then another kenobi or uh star wars the force unleashed reference because in uh the force unleashed 2 you see uh star killer pull an entire imperial fleet destroyer I think that's what it's called uh pull it down to a planet and they kind of reference that as well and i'm, I'm loving the star killer references 
Nice. And again, we're kind of skimming through the plot here, but basically, yeah. So as Darth Vader is just waiting, you know, just kind of sitting there while he sees the ship leave with Kenobi, Reva tries to attack him and then he fights her back. He doesn't even pull his own lightsaber out. He just kind of toys with her. And he's like, wait, you really didn't think I didn't know who you were? And so long story short, he he stabs her in the in the gut again. And the oh, he's red wedding her. Say what, Alec? Somebody's trying to really trying to red wedding her. Well, he she tried to stab him in the back, but obviously I don't know why she didn't just bring the hilt to his stomach or whatever and just like light it like like Han Solo, you know, with Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. I wish, which because she like turns on the lights and tries to strike at him, but he stops her with the force. And again, it really just shows how powerful he is, or I guess how not as strong with the force she is with him, because. Again, that whole thing is basically him just kind of like walking around. He doesn't even bring his own blade. He takes her blade and just splits it in two and even gives it to her. Like, come on, fight me and see what happens. So. And they show uh, at the end the Grand Inquisitor come back because we forgot to mention that he gets stabbed by Reva at the end of episode two. And you're led to believe that he dies. Yeah. And a lot of people were pissed about that. Well, because, yeah, he's in Rebels, right? In Rebels, he dies in Rebels and it's canon, but... The fact that this happens just very. Eh, it, it it makes sense with the storyline that Kenobi, with Kenobi, but it could have been better if that makes sense. No, I understand that, but anyway, but yeah, no, Alec, it's it's just like Shorzy, strike me, see what happens. Oh yeah, what's gonna happen? Three things: I hit you, you hit the ground, I stab you in the stomach. <laughs> anyway, and then he end up banging his mom. No, but. <laughs> so at the end, so in the episode six, the finale, which is my favorite episode of the whole series, and I'll tell you why. So Obi Wan is like, so there's sh- the the it kind of it does harken back to a New Hope a little bit with a flashback, as you see like the little ship that they're on being chased by a Grand Imperial starship, and it kind of yeah gives you that New Hope vibe again, just that opening shot with the st- with, you know with the uh, the small little ship being chased by the Grand Imperial ship. But anyway, so Obi Wan's like, just let you know. I need to go face him. Everyone get clear. And so Obi-Wan gets on a little pod and he goes to this little moon and Vader is like, you know, chase Obi-Wan. And they're like, really? We can take care of the whole, take care of the whole path here. Like, no, no, Kenobi is all that matters. And so they, you know, he leaves the other ones to leave and he goes down to this moon one-on-one with Obi-Wan, which I believe that's the start of the scene that I sent you, right, Alec? Yes, it is. So Obi-Wan at this point, he's kind of regained his strength. And he's kind of just, what's the word I'm looking for? We've kind of skimmed, we've skimmed through the past couple episodes, but he does kind of find his purpose again, especially with, you know, Leia and interacting with her and just seeing all the people on the path and what they're doing. So he's got his strength back and he fights Vader and it leads to one of the coolest shots, I think, in all of Star Wars where he just, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say when it is in the fight, but you just see Obi-Wan how like he has a, he does that like one like Jesus move pose or whatever, where his arms are out and just a bunch of like rocks are behind him. Good old rocks in Star Wars. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah. We haven't seen that before. Oh yeah. And then he does that fighting stance that he did, he did against Grievous where he had the lightsaber up in his hair and in, in the air. But anyway, so he fights Vader and Vader overcomes him and basically tries to bury him alive. But then you see that Obi-Wan has been holding back the rocks with the force and he you see him think back to Anakin and then Luke and Leia and he's like okay I'm gonna do it for them and he just kind of just 
launches the rocks out, and then he goes and tries to sneak attack Anakin, and they fight. And eventually, Obi-Wan gains the upper hand. Actually, can I just say, because, yeah, Obi-Wan gets thrown into a pit, and Vader just looks at him. He's like, I got the high ground now, boy. And then... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, he goes back, and eventually, during the fight, like I said, he hurls a bunch of rocks at, at Anakin, and he slices his with the command thing on his chest with the, the main what is that the main computer or something on his chest Chris yeah, it's for his lungs yeah and so he starts hearing like you start hearing the labor breathing like he does in Return of the Jedi and then eventually Obi-Wan just takes a slice out of his mask and you can see a burnt Anakin Skywalker underneath there and it leads to mm -hmm. one of my it's just an amazing scene it's one of the top 10 best scenes in all of Star Wars in my opinion I've been talking a lot but it's you where you see Anakin get humbled. Well, so what happens is Obi-Wan sees Anakin under the mask and he sees how burnt and destroyed he is. And he's just like, oh my God, this is Anakin. And then Anakin just goes like, you know, Anakin is dead. I'm what remains. And then, so you, then you just see Obi-Wan's eyes. I love how they used a close-up for this. You can see just in his emotion, he, he goes from, okay, well, I guess this is the only chance I'm going to get to do this. He just, he straight up apologizes. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin, for, for all of it, you know? And like he's like holding back tears and then you cut to Anakin and he's, yeah, you can see his face. It's a burnt up Hayden Christensen. You can see, he kind of just looks at him like shocked that he even said that. And then eventually he just says, I am not your failure. Obi-Wan to which Obi-Wan's like, wait a minute. What? And he's like, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. And then he kind of gives like a little devilish smile. So that scene to me was a little bit of Anakin poking out, actually like telling Obi-Wan, he, maybe he forgives him, but also he's letting him know that, you didn't turn me to the dark side. I did that myself. Maybe he's also, still looking for the lava too. thing. Sorry, what? I was seeing too. I was telling you that where his voice changed like a little bit. Oh yeah. yeah. No, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, Chris, you want to explain that, or Alec? Someone? I'll let Chris. Chris probably knows more than I do. So, going back into Rebels, uh, you see Ahsoka, his Padawan. She finds out Anakin is Vader, and it, they this whole scene parallels what they did with rebels where and i've seen that scene too i know what you're talking about it's by the way. master and apprentice facing vader because obi-wan got his left side and ahsoka got his right side uh cutting off the mask and in the voice you hear and see the conflict in vader where he's like i want to be anakin but you know i'm still messed up about everything and he's just dark side gets to him so you see his eyes like go from blue to yellow in um in uh kenobi, in kenobi. but well, in, i think in ahsoka or uh, in rebels you see his eyes kind of dilate a bit because you know he cares about ahsoka and he loves her and he wants to go back but he knows like this isn't what i need to do like blah blah blah, blah. but it's a very powerful scene hearing the actor who played um anakin in the clone wars and James Earl Jones, Jones into one, as well as Hayden Christensen and James Earl Jones into uh, similar things. And I think it's very, very powerful for both. And when you hear the ending scream, when Kenobi walks away, he just, he screams Obi-Wan and then Obi-Wan like again. And it's just the voice of Vader and Anakin being torn between the two. It's so empowering. And it just, it's, I love it. It's so heartbreaking. Much. Yeah. Cause well, like you said, it was James Earl Jones and, and Hayden Christians. They matched the voices. So, it, you know, you hear Anakin talking, but you also hear the voice modulator. So the theory that I have is that 
I mean, I've read this too. It's not my own original theory, but what I've read is, is that Anakin knew that at that point he was going, that he couldn't fight anymore. Obviously his breathing apparatus was destroyed. He couldn't really do anything. So maybe secretly he was hoping Obi-Wan would kill him there. And that's why he was yelling Obi-Wan when he ran away. And maybe when he said, this is why I'll destroy you, he wanted to like egg Obi-Wan on to actually like cut, like kill him or something. But mm, I think it's, he just wanted, he, he lost again. And, yeah, you know, anger. He, he told Obi-Wan, like, I'm not at your failure. I killed Anakin. But it's, it's more so like he failed again when he's been trying for 10 years to get Obi-Wan. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, you could be interpreting it a couple different ways, but when you were talking about Anakin actually is starting to come out of Vader a little bit, it's 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 not so subtle from the filmmaker's perspective, but obviously because you know it just makes sense in the in the scene because they're having lightsabers, but the blue lightsaber is shining light on him when he when he's talking more like you know I am not your failure, Anakin. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Then it goes to the red lightsaber where you see the red on his face, so that means Vader is back. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it's a very heartbreaking scene. Like I said, Ian McGregor is like, he's holding back tears and Obi-Wan is like, sorry for everything that he did. And then when Anakin is just like, you know, I killed Anakin Skywalker, I am Vader. He's like, well, my friend is truly dead. And so he accepts Anakin's death. And then the, he starts calling him Darth. Just, I think, because he knows obviously Darth Maul, Darth Sidious, whatever. He says Darth, basically to one acknowledge that Anakin is dead but also to kind of just like rub it in his face I think because mm -hmm. that makes sense I mean you're gone so you're not my Anakin anymore you're just Darth yeah so that makes sense how in episode four he's like yeah no Vader killed your father well he actually you know people are like well he lied to Luke it's like well that whole certain point of view thing he says in Jedi episode, Return of the Jedi, it's like kind of does make sense from, from what Obi-Wan's saying. So he didn't really lie to him. Anakin was dead as proclaimed by Vader himself. And then I think he also wanted to separate the two because Anakin to him was a good person, a good man, and then Vader killed him. So, And then he calls him Darth in episode four. So that just, you know, it, it the continuity makes sense. So... But no, it's an incredible scene. It's like I said, top top 10 of Star Wars for me, in my opinion. But yeah, so then the show kind of just, well, okay, so there's also the side plot where Reva at the end of episode five, long story short, finds out that Luke Skywalker is being taken care of by Lars and Owen on Tatooine and Luke is Anakin's offspring. So she goes to try to kill him as revenge. And I mean, Chris, I've been talking a lot. You want to talk about this? I actually uh, have a bit of an emergency, so I need to go. But I I apologize, but I'll message you guys later. Okay, well, overall, what do you think of the show in like a minute or less? Uh, overall series in the show, well, let me say this. Episode 5 and 6, 9.5 out of 10. Anything before 7. That's 7, fair. 7.5. That's fair. All right. Well, you'll take care of your emergency. Hopefully, it all's well, buddy. Yep. Appreciate it. You good. guys be good. Bye. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye, bye, bye. So I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna talk now because Chris left. But anyway. All right. <laughs> so yeah, Reva goes to Tatooine, and long story short, Lars finds out about it before time because she's like asking around. So he and Baru are trying to like protect Luke, and they you know 
batten down the hatches, so to speak. And she shows up and she overpowers him and actually kind of shows how Lu- how Baru, not Baru, Lars gets his limp because he falls on his ass at one point. And sorry, I didn't mean to curse, but anyway. <laughs> and then he gets a limp. Yeah, it's something like that. But anyway, so Luke escapes oh into the into the mountains. And I, I thought to myself, well, the Tuscan Raiders are going to show up and they're going to kill Riva. But no, she she finds Luke and she's and he's unconscious. I, I forget how, but he's unconscious and you and she's about to just like to swipe and kill him. But she sees herself there and mm. she just relents and she picks him up, carries him back. And that by that point, Obi-Wan shows up and Lars and Baru are there. Wait. Not Lars, why don't you call him Lars? Owen and and Baru. Yeah, I can't Uncle Owen. Why don't I call him Lars? Anyway, so they they are there. Uncle Owen, Aunt Baru, and Obi Wan. Mm. Reva shows up and she's just crying. She's like, "I hate what she what he made me." And Obi Wan's like, "You're free now. You're free to live your own life, and you are no longer bound to the dark side." And so she gets a redemption. And so to tie up loose ends you see a scene where Vader is back on his castle in Mustafar and he's talking to Ian McDermott playing Palpatine again. Palpy came back and basically at this point, he kind of gives up on chasing after Obi-Wan because like in episode four, he like obviously knows who Obi-Wan is, but he's not like chasing after him. So when he shows up, he's like takes the opportunity to kill him. But mm-hmm. anyway, and then Palpatine's there and, and Vader's just like, I serve you. You're my only master now, blah, blah, blah. And then, Obi-Wan goes over to, to Owen and he's like, yeah, Luke needs to just grow up. Because originally he was like, well, when he comes of age, he needs to be trained. And Owen was like, no, leave us alone. So eventually Obi-Wan's like, okay, I, I at the end of the series, he's like, okay, I get it. Luke just needs to be a kid. He gives him like that little toy spaceship or whatever that Luke was playing with in the original. So yeah. fun little continuity there. And yeah, so Luke is led to be a kid and Obi-Wan's about to leave and then Uncle Owen is just like, hey, do you want to meet him? And so then we finally get Ben Kenobi meets Luke Skywalker and, and he, he does the line, hello there. And yeah, it was, it was pretty great. And then you get to see Leia back on Alderaan with her parents. Obi-Wan shows up and he's like, you know, you remind me a lot of your father in which, you know, she strains off traits. Of, he names off traits of Anakin. You remind me a lot of your mother. That's all I can tell you about your parents. And then he's like, we can't let anyone know that we know each other just for your own safety. So that makes sense why she's like, it comes off in episode four. Oh, years ago, you, you protected my father in the Clone Wars or whatever. And now I'm asking you to help me. And so it, it kind of seems like she doesn't know him, but yeah. So it makes sense there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can follow you. Yep. And then, okay. yeah. So, so Luke, excuse me, Leia says goodbye to Obi-Wan. There's that she's back with her parents. And then, Oh, and I guess she gets tall as holster. That's why she. That's how she gets her holster. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, anyway, last scene that I remember. Yeah, the last scene is Obi Wan is just back. He leaves his little hermit cave and he goes to a different area. And throughout the show, he he keeps saying he keeps trying to meditate and be like, "Help me, Master Qui Gon. I need you know help." And blah blah blah. That goes on for like five, you know, four episodes or whatever. And at the end of this episode, you know, after we got we were getting to the end, I'm like, okay, this is going to end soon. Where's Liam Neeson? <laughs> and they. So at the like last scene, he's just hanging out on his camel in the desert and he's driving to like a, he's riding to a little ravine and then Qui-Gon shows up. It's Liam Neeson again. He shows up 
as a forest ghost and he's like well it took you long enough and he's like master qui-gon i was starting to think you weren't ever going to come no i was always there you just weren't ready to see it because he wasn't really connected to the force anymore so then yeah he leads them on somewhere and we got to see liam neeson as qui-gon again after what has it been 23 years so yeah honestly yeah since like 2000 something i think also some fun fact too uh i went to the antique mall in near harrisonburg virginia they had multiple old banners for the prequels sponsored by pepsi and i was like oh my god how old are these uh like 2000 like one was like 2002 i forget the other one was maybe it was 2001 or 2003 but they were old i mean and they were for they were for sale like 70 bucks a piece i was surprised actually to see those and i cannot believe it's been that long because they don't look like they're that old did you buy them no, God, I can't afford 70 bucks for a one banner. Oh, okay. I was like, that probably makes sense if they were 70 bucks. But anyway, so I could, I was gonna, I thought about it at first, like, but then I saw the price and I was like, I don't know if I justify this to my bank account. <laughs> no, I feel it. But anyway, so yeah, overall thoughts on the show. I, I loved it. So as I was telling you earlier, the book of Boba Fett was really, really boring. And aside mm-hmm. from like the last episode, it was okay. But I like the Mandalorian. I feel like comparing Mandalorian to Obi-Wan is like comparing apples to oranges because the Mandalorian is like its own thing, I guess. Like it, it's not, it, it's like a series that's got like three seasons now and Obi-Wan thus far is just considered to be a, a standalone miniseries. So and also it doesn't have like, like the, we know who the characters are. Like we're not already, like we don't know who the Mandalorian is when it first started, but we knew who Obi-Wan Kenobi was. We all knew who Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, we all know who Leah was. So it's kind of like, it is apples to oranges because these are characters we know them. Whereas in The Mandalorian, when it started out, we didn't know them, kind of. Yeah, so it really does help with bridging the gap between episodes three and four. And, you know, some people have issues with them. I understand it, but like, it, I was watching a review, uh, Chris Stuckman on YouTube was like, it's becoming like so... I guess the the anti-norm to actually say you like Star Wars now because you know like 10 or 15 years ago to say you hated Star Wars was kind of like the the outlier but now if you say like you actually enjoy it it's like oh well you're well, you're weird you don't get it and I'm like really so you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean so that's kind of what where my thoughts are on that but I I love the show you know just as somebody I mean I I, I wouldn't say it was perfect but Ian McGregor as Obi-Wan is perfect. And I liked his little character arc and I liked this confrontation with him and Anakin. So yeah, I'm mm, just that alone made the show worth it for me. Hmm. All righty. Well, like I said, I, I will be considering giving that a, a watch here. Yeah. So we'll, we'll figure something out, but anyway, yeah, I would highly recommend it to anyone who likes the prequels, who likes star Wars in general, and obviously anyone who likes Ian McGregor as Obi-Wan. So that's my two cents. And just based off the clip that I showed you, Aunt, or Alec, uh, what would you feel? I honestly, that was like uh, an intense fight thing. It was really well choreographed. And then again, like I said, when he beats him, essentially, and he cha- his voice starts changing and he's like, you know, Anakin's dead. I thought that was powerful. I thought the entire scene was very well done. And I'm actually excited now to watch it. Nice. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely recommend it. So at any rate, thank you all for listening. 
we're going to go ahead and end it here. But I highly loved Obi-Wan. Really, really good show. So love Ian McGregor. My next tattoo is probably going to be his lightsaber. So we'll see how that works. <laughs> At any rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be back soon. We're going to do a retro review of Independence Day, and we're going to talk about some other stuff. So thank you all for listening. Y'all take care.